Chapter Two of Cowardly Lion of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Cowardly Lion of Oz by Ruth Plumley Thompson. Chapter Two Magic at the Circus. It was raining outside, it was hot and stuffy inside and it was the last day of the circus in Stumptown. All over the big tent people moved about restlessly on the hard seats, and grumbled when sudden splashes of rain came pelting through the tent top. Mothers were thinking anxiously of the wet journey home, young ladies were worrying about their spring bonnets, and even the boys and girls were only applauding half-heartedly as old Billy, the elephant, rang dinner bells in one ring, and the Glicko sister swung dizzily from trapezes in the other. The chief clown ran distractedly around both rings. He stood on his head, he walked on his hands, he leaped over the elephant. He pretended he was a bulky donkey, but no one laughed. They didn't even smile at his oldest jokes. This is too terrible, gulped the clown, stepping behind a pillar. Not one real laugh the whole afternoon? What's the matter with these folks anyway? He wiped the perspiration from his forehead, hastily powdered his nose, and dashed out again. It was beginning to thunder now and the animals in the outside tent set up a dreadful roaring. From looking bored, the people began to look frightened. Something must be done. The worried clown rushed into the center ring and sprang to the back of the big elephant. "'Ladies and gentlemen!' shouted the clown, waving his arms to attract attention. "'Ladies and gentlemen!' I am about to perform one of the most astonishing and amazing feats ever executed. A trick that has astounded the crowned heads of Europe, Asia, and Africa. Ladies and gentlemen, people on the back rows who were already pushing their way out toward the exits, paused. A little girl in the 25-cent seats cheered faintly. Thus encouraged, the clown turned a really marvelous somersault and landed on the tip of the elephant's trunk. Will some small boy kindly step forward? begged the clown, glancing hurriedly along the front rows. For this trick, I need a small active boy. Ah, there he is. Urging the elephant to the very edge of the ring, the clown snatched a small, red-headed boy from a group of solemn-eyed orphans who had been brought to the circus for a special treat. The crowd gasped with surprise, and the orphan tried to wriggle out of his coat, but the clown held on firmly. One toss of this boy into the air, and he will disappear. A toss of my cap, and he will reappear. Watch, cried the clown, putting his fingers to his lips. 
"'What are you trying to do?' demanded the ringmaster in a hoarse whisper. "'You can't really make him disappear, you know.' The clown realized this, but he was going to make that crowd laugh or disappear himself. With a shrill whistle that made even the old elephant prick up his ears, he tossed the orphan to his shoulder and reeled off the first ridiculous rhyme that popped into his head. And this was it. Udge budge, go to mudge. Udger budger, you're a mudger. A roar of delight went up from the crowd and a roar of terror from the ringmaster, for the orphan had disappeared, disappeared as completely as a punctured balloon. Help! screamed the clown, dancing frantically up and down on the elephant's head. The audience was enchanted and rocking to and fro with merriment. That's the best trick I've ever seen, gurgled a fat man, mopping his face. Look at him pretending to be frightened. Come on now, bring him back, you. The clown cried out another verse. Udge budge, go to mudge, udger budger, you're a mudger. There was a tearing rip and a clap of thunder. The crowd stared, rubbed its eyes, and stared again. No clown, no orphan, why, this was tremendous. They stamped with glee and shouted their approval. But the ringmaster fell breathlessly against a post, and the owner of the circus, with popping eyes, started on a run for the dressing tent. Not a bit too soon, either, for in a few seconds the crowd stopped laughing as suddenly as it had begun. Umbrellas were brandished furiously, and people shouted at the ringmaster to produce the orphan at once. The ringmaster was shaking in his shiny shoes, but he resolved to save himself if he could. Raising his whip for silence, he announced in his most impressive voice that the best part of the trick was to come, and the clown and orphan were at that minute standing at the circus gate to wave goodbye to the company, one of the most distinguished and delightful companies it had ever been their pleasure to entertain. He clicked his heels together, made a deep bow, and the crowd, convinced that he was speaking the truth, began to stream out of the big tent. Without waiting another second, the ringmaster grasped old Billy by the ear and ran him toward the animal tent. In five minutes the whole circus force was dashing about in the pelting rain, dragging out cages prodding the elephants, tugging at the big horses, pulling down the tents. "'Something terrible has happened. We've got to move out of here,' chattered the owner of the show, rushing from group to group. By the time the indignant old gentleman who had brought the orphans to the circus had been to the gate and back, the first of the heavy circus wagons was already rattling over the hill. The few workmen, hastening the last bits of loading— shook their heads dully when he demanded the orphan, and after threatening and stamping in vain, the distracted old gentleman ran off to fetch the police, with the thirty-nine other orphans splashing delightedly behind him. Police! What could police do against magic? 
How did the clown know that the rhyme that had popped into his head was an old Oz formula? It had carried off the orphan like a sky rocket, and when the clown had frantically repeated the magic words, he too had been snatched into the air, hurled through the tent top, and flung down beside the frightened little boy in the strangest land he had ever seen. Fortunately, they had fallen on a soft dune of sand, and around them for miles and miles stretched a flat and silvery desert. End of chapter 2